0: THIS IS MY BIBLE, I AM WHAT IT SAYS I AM, I CAN HAVE WHAT IT SAYS I CAN HAVE. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Best shout ever. Stay standing for the reading of the Word.
1: Mark chapter 7. One day some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Amen.
0: Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the reading of the word. Let it find good ground in our heart. Let what we need to hear, let us hear it. And then let us leave having heard and overcome. And we thank you for it. I pray you anoint my, my mind. And my mouth that I'll say what needs to be said in the right way. And God, it would not take away from the reading of the word, but it would, God just calls us to maybe see it in a way that will help us understand. And I give you thanks for it. In Jesus name, you say, amen. You may be seated. Thank you again so much for being here. I want to talk to you this morning, something I've been mulling over in my heart all week. I'll put verse five up there again. And we'll kind of look on the screens if you would like, or if you're a note taker, you can write it down the verse. But this is the verse I want to hold on. I want to hold on the question asked by the Pharisees why don't your disciples follow our age old tradition? And I want to talk to you this morning about tradition Uh, the good and the bad, and maybe even the ugly of tradition. How does it apply today? Tradition has been a long-standing issue. Typically, this is how I'll define tradition. Number one, God moves in humanity. And when God moves by his spirit on a people or a group of people or an individual, and God makes a move on us, typically humans will take the move of God and turn it into a movement and we'll call it something. The charismatic renewal, a fresh wave of God, revival, From that movement, when we stay in it, we turn it into a monument, meaning it starts becoming our identity rather than the moving of God being our identity. uh, That moment becomes our identity. It's a monument, and then we move it on into the final phase, a memorial, where it's just dead religion. No life to it at all, but we're so sold out to it, we don't even know we're missing the life of God. That's how powerful tradition is. Tradition, religious tradition is so powerful that I can be right in the middle of it and have zero life, but feel pretty good about myself. And so I just want to kind of walk you through tradition, how it works, and ask this question at the end, then what is God even after? So let's start maybe where it would be applicable to everybody and we might could find a jumping off point and walk our way through the last maybe 50 years of American traditional church. If you're smart enough to know, it by far is different than what we read in the Bible. Right? Right, I got a right and a yeah. I'll say that one more time. (laughs) It came from my mama. It means I need to say it one more time. I feel like, me, opinion, we're so far away from the way the New Testament tells us to do church because tradition has told us how to do church. Now, let's start with probably one of the bigger traditions of American church, and that's Catholics. Catholics have a pretty wide range of tradition. Uh, I dated a Catholic girl in high school and I had never gone to a Catholic church. You can imagine when a Pentecostal boy shows up in a Catholic church and I'm going I'm to go a little South Georgia redneck here. There ain't no praying in tongues and there is no anointing of oil there. I mean, it was so foreign to me. I had never in my life known religion that way. I knew religion Pentecostal style, not stand up, sit down, read liturgy, read again, respond back, non-respond, stand up, make a cross. Uh, Young kids came in the room with smoke and waving the holy smoke and the censers. I think it's called a turnable or something like that. They, They swing the smoke and they would walk in reading scripture. And my girlfriend would elbow me when it was time to stand, time to sit time to kneel or time to recite. I was so mentally tired by the end. I'm like, I just like Pentecostal where if you want to run, you run. If you want to sit, you sit. It really doesn't matter. You just do whatever you want to do. I didn't know there was such ritual here. And at the same time, it was kind of inspiring because... The awe that was brought in the room was totally different than my Pentecostal experience. Like People seem, in a weird way, had more reverence for the traditions of it. I didn't feel like there was much reverence in the Pentecostal church. We just did whatever we wanted to do and then blamed God for it. (laughs) And... And so there was something that I took out that was very awe-inspiring. The robes, the liturgy, the, this, the pomp and the circumstance and uh, you know, the things that went on with that uh, was very moving to me. Uh, I remember, however, when it came time for communion, Uh, I was going to get up to go to communion because everybody got up and they would walk to the priest and he would put the wafer on their tongue and uh, stick their tongue out, which I thought was gross, but it's what you do. And they would put the little wafer on your tongue and then everybody drank from the same chalice, which made me think you better believe you're born again if you're going to drink after somebody else. And my personality would be like, I want to be first in line. I don't want to be last, you know? And uh, so it's time for communion. And I thought, well, Hey, communion, right? We do that occasionally in my church. And um, my girlfriend elbowed me, she said, oh, you can't do communion. And I was like, why? Like, I'd love to do communion. I love Jesus. And she's like, no, you have to be Catholic to do communion. And then I just whipped up. I have to be Catholic to do communion? I'm in high school. I just thought I needed to be saved to do communion. Oh no, you gotta be Catholic. And I was like, well, why can't I just become Catholic and go do communion? And she's like, oh no, you have to go through all these classes and take the catechisms and know the catechism. I'm thinking, I'm so out of religion, I don't even know what a catechism is. I'm thinking, what are cats? Why don't, what's, what's going on? <laughs> Literally, I'm there, I'm so foreign to me. But that style of religious tradition is that we broke from it and now we look back and people say things like this, it's just dead religion. The Pope is the Antichrist. There's no life there in the Catholic Church. There's no joy there in the Catholic Church. It's just, and then we label dead religion. And then we break from that, and we start in another move of God, and we get in our stream. And then once I break from this religious stream that I now call dead religion, the reality of all us humans is we just get in another stream. And so along come the Methodist, and the Methodists wear the robes. The Methodists have two little nice candles up here on a nice little table that's crafted. This do ye in remembrance of me, even written in King James. They, uh, we were raised Methodists, so my mom was a Methodist. And so they would come in and light the candles signifying Jesus is the light of the world. And then they would snuff the candles and take them out the door at the end. And they would walk out. And the weird thing about it is you can be in the middle of this tradition looking at that tradition going, that one's dead, but man, mine is alive. So we were Methodists. Anybody here Methodist? Nobody's, everybody's scared to admit it. <laughs> I can tell you real quick how I know if you're Methodist. Here's how we ended. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Come on, Methodist. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And then some God, Amen. Right? But then when that became so traditional and I wanted a move of God, I broke from that. And Baptists come along. We don't have guys in robes and candles. We have preachers. We don't need robes. We don't need all that stuff. By God, we need some fire of the Lord. And we slam our Bibles down. And we scream. And we tell you, by God, every one of you boys on the front row are going to go to hell today. You're going to burn in hell. It's hot down there. Oh, I want you to know that the Lord, he's coming. And I'm, not, and I'm not talking about some feminist Bible, some gay Bible. I'm talking about the King James Bible. Oh, you ever been in one of those? <laughs> Just tradition. Oh, shout, scream. I went to a Baptist church with my friend and I went in the door and by the time it was over, I wanted to get saved. I thought, man, I don't want to go to hell There's nothing in the Bible that even mentions an altar call, but there's not one Baptist church that'll ever end without an altar call. (laughs) Bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. And then here comes the question of all questions. If you died right now, (laughs) do you know where you would go? I'm just thinking I want to get out of here and have some meatloaf. (laughs) And now I've got to ask the question of my eternal soul. If I die right now, where would I go? And then it just lingers a while to let you really think that at any moment, if you even look at a girl wrong, you're going to go to hell. If you're having a bad thought right now, you could burn in hell. And as you're pondering meatloaf versus eternity, all of a sudden a piano player starts playing and from the choir loft comes just as i am a lot of bad ah, one plea come on but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me the Baptist in the room, give it up for the Baptist. But the Baptist got traditional. Somebody told us about something called the Holy Ghost and we got the Holy Ghost. And now all of a sudden, now that I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Catholics are wrong. The Methodists are wrong. The Baptists are wrong. And now we Pentecostals, we've hooked up to the real God. Oh, we've hooked. Oh, we don't do church in an hour. We do it in four, maybe five. Matter of fact, we don't even have an ending. We just go till we feel like the presence of the Lord is out of the room. Oh, and we run and we jump and we shout. And occasionally, the same woman will stand up in the back with a. Oh, and then somebody over here answers whatever she just said. And then everybody else in the room goes, yes, Lord. And we're all sweaty and stinky. And we're all running around. And in, in a Pentecostal church, Everybody comes to the altar. It's not about hell, it's about meeting up with the Holy Ghost. And then we have the tradition in the Pentecostal church, unlike any other. It's how you know that the Spirit of the Lord has come into the room, because when they lay their hand on you, you fall out. Oh, I never saw a Catholic fall, a Methodist fall, or a Baptist, but man, Pentecostals, we just drop like flies. Bam, bam, bam. And it's like, look how anointed we are. Oh, the presence is in the room. There's 90 dead bodies laying across the front. God has worked a miracle. (laughs) And then the Methodists in the back going, what's wrong? They all passed out. And then the Pentecostal has to say to the Methodists, no, they didn't pass out. That's the Holy Ghost power. And then the Baptist says, I don't want that power if it's going to make me fall. And the Catholic won't even come in the door. They're like, y'all are crazy. But I've been in that. I grew up that way. So that's Holy Ghost tradition. Because I started finding out that I could even be traditionalized into dropping. It's just what we do. You come to the altar, preacher touches you, you fall. We call it a courtesy drop. (laughs) You don't even have to be anointed, you just fall. It's just what you do. You just hit the ground. Everybody goes, bless their heart. And then we have people who walk around with little covers and cover you up like that (laughs) so we can't see your glory. It's a cover up right there. I want to see their glory. (laughs) God help us all. I grew up that way. It's normal for me. It was normal to have somebody run around the building because if he ran, that meant the Holy Spirit showed up. If somebody prophesied, the Holy Spirit came. That's all you would hear is the Holy Ghost today, the Holy Ghost. And that's a pretty good tradition. I liked it because you didn't, you didn't need riddling or anything. You just you were always moving. You didn't ever fall asleep. Everything was going. And so we end up in Holy Ghost and then along comes the charismatic renewal charismatic renewals where we were still Holy Ghost, but we didn't want to be identified because they were kind of strange, but we found our tradition better than all other traditions, and we stepped into the thing called the charismatic renewal where we taught the Word of God, and we went a whole other level of worship because now we have banners all over the room, banners about Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Imkadesh. Most of us can't even talk English, but we've got all the Jewish names of God around the room. And then right before worship, some woman trained in the very back from Jerusalem herself, from the very bed of Bethlehem, will take a shofar. And everybody in the room is like, whoa, glory. And that meant we could start worship. Well, that stream was better than the last stream because the way it works is every new stream is always better than the old stream because we've latched on to something new. The problem becomes as we latch on to the new, we start turning into dead people because the new tradition becomes my happy place. The new tradition becomes what I'm comfortable with. And once I get comfortable, I stop expecting God to move because I don't want him to move out of my comfort zone. I don't want him to do something that makes me uncomfortable. So what we do is we find the stream of tradition that makes me comfortable without ever expecting God to move beyond my tradition of comfort. That's just how it works. It's the norm of humanity for God to move. And then we make a movement, then a monument, then a memorial, and we become dead Christian religion. The problem was I grew up through all of that and I started pastoring a church and I felt lost. Like, huh, what kind of, where do I fall? Because that's what people ask, what are you? And I'm like, a man, I, I don't know. Well, no, 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 preacher, what denomination are you? And it's like, okay, God, this is hard. Okay, I'm, I'm non-denominational, what? Like I'm non-denominational. Like I don't believe in any of them. I mean, I do believe in them, but I'm not. That got so confusing. Now I'm like, we're interdenominational. We got a bunch of us all lumped up in a bag. And then that was too hard to explain. And now we just call ourselves independent rogues. Like we don't fit anywhere. We're redheaded stepchildren of the kingdom of God. We don't know who we are. I'm a little bit of Catholic. I do communion. I'm a little bit of Methodist. I don't mind. I'm a little bit of Pentecostal. I'm all wrapped up. I'm Baptist because sometimes I spit and shout and and sometimes. I do play a hymn because I think that helps. And so I'm all of them lumped up into one little dude called Mark who's just trying to love Jesus. But if I'm not careful, I myself can get stuck in a stream. And I miss the move of God. So the challenge as a leader is to find a happy spot and then let God move. You just happen to be in my happy spot. There's a little bit of Methodist tradition going on. The tables are up front, the communion. There's a little bit of Baptist going on. We play some music at the end with a hymn. There's a little bit of Catholic going on, I guess. Sometimes I dress up. (laughs) Sometimes I wear a robe to to a funeral. But the problem is, as you move forward, I always was asking myself, where do I fit? What denominational stream? Am I church of God, assembly of God? Am I Kojic? Am I, am I church of God in Christ? Am I Baptist? Am I Methodist? Am I Foursquare? Uh, God, am I Episcopalian? Am I Presbyterian? No, I'm not Presbyterian. I don't believe in predestination. I'm that. No, I'm this. No. And so imagine this dude showing up one day being asked, would I come and participate in a community-wide service? in the black community. And I was like, sure, of course. I know exactly what to expect because I'm Pentecostal. I had no clue what they did in a black church cause it was so far beyond my tradition. That when I walked in the door and the preacher's preaching and all of a sudden he got to hoop and, I, and I'm on the front row like, man, this is good. And then all of a sudden, like I've never heard before, from the very back, from up in the balcony, from, comes this Hammond B3 organ. And when that thing kicked in. Hey! Oh, somebody give up, give him a shot! People, you didn't even get up. <laughs> you mean I just took you back to a gospel service and you sat, Sandy, you couldn't help a brother out. She's like, I got my coffee, Pastor. I can't. <laughs> I called Robin after that church. I said, Honey, if anything I know now, I know what stream I'm in. She said, What? I said, Black gospel. <laughs> white man in a black gospel body. I don't know how I'm going to fit with him, but when that Hammond B3 kicked up, my soul lit on fire. I was like, my God, who couldn't preach with a Hammond B3 behind you? It's like the Lord. He's coming. He's coming now. I was just like, man. I even told her, I said, honey, when you bear me, don't bear me white, bear me black white people crying at a funeral. I want somebody dancing and shouting. I want somebody singing 99 and a half won't do. You know, tradition, right? We all have it. The sad thing is what we do is we get very critical about religion. We start putting it down. Well, the Baptists don't do it right, so we went Church of God. They don't do it right, so now it's assemblies. Assemblies don't do it right, so we went four square. Four square doesn't get it right, so we went Church of God in Christ. They didn't get it right, so every stream basically is a, they didn't get it right, and we have it right. And the question is, I don't think God cares. I think we care. Yeah. I think we want our stream to be the right stream. And what I have found out, whether you're Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, Kojic, whatever you label yourself, at the end of the day, all of that tradition will either be dead or alive. Verse 6 of Mark chapter 7, Jesus replied, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied, for he wrote, These people, and here it comes, Honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, I don't think Jesus is going, what am I going to do with these Methodists? I'll create Baptists. What am I going to do with these Baptists? I'll create Church of God. What am I going to do with the Church of God? Break them, get them mad, and start the assemblies. What am I going to do with the assemblies? Break from them and start the charismatic renewal. Like, I don't think God is in heaven trying to figure out which denomination he likes better. I personally, this is my opinion, I don't think God gives a bloomin' rip what traditional place you find yourself. I think he's asking the question, I'm about your heart not your denomination and not your tradition. I have come to touch your heart. I don't care if you have drums or no drums. I don't care if you have a hammer me three or not. I don't care if your preacher uses King James only or new living. I don't care if you end with communion or start with a shofar at the end of the day, I'm after your heart. And we, we have messed it up because the world is watching us and the world is watching us put each other down and the world is watching us criticize those that don't speak in tongues against those that do, those that fall out versus those that don't, those that come in with holy smoke wearing robes versus those of us that would never do that. It's an anathema. At the end of the day, it's about the heart. I've met tons of Catholics that have a great heart. I've met tons of Baptists that have a great heart. Methodists, great heart. Kojic, great heart. Pentecostals, great heart. But at the same time I've met a bunch of traditional religious people who need a Holy Ghost encounter because their heart's dirty. They go to church all the time. They tithe. They write their checks. They serve. And by God, their denomination knows who they are because they're an elder or they're a deacon or they're whatever they are. But their heart is bad. They speak evil to their wife. They don't live godly their character sucks and at the end of the day God says man don't you understand and this is Jesus he's looking at all these religious people and saying you honor me with your lips but I want your heart he didn't tell them to stop being a Pharisee he didn't tell the Sadducees you need to shut it all down boys he just looked at them and said it's just about your heart fellas It's just about your heart. Well, this lends me to ask this question to close. How do you know practically whether or not you're traditionalized or whether it really is your heart that you're living by? Are you living by traditions? That's who your God is. That's your stream. Or are you living by a heart change? No matter where you fit, Go to Matthew chapter nine because I want to try to answer this in a really short moment. And then I'm going to lead you to communion for you to have an encounter about your heart. Matthew chapter nine. I think it kind of sums up what this thing is of a heart And where it finds itself starting in verse 14. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came and asked him, now here comes the traditionalized question. Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? So in their brain is running around this question of tradition like Justin read at the beginning. This question of tradition, why don't you guys fast and why aren't you doing it the way it needs to be done? So their little tradition brain is flipping meeting Jesus. Let's read on verse 15. Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not, but someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides who would patch old clothing with new cloth for the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving even a bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wine skins so that both are preserved. Don't you love that simple answer of Jesus? Why do you fast? It's like, just tell me. And he goes in this soliloquy. Just give me an easy reason. Don't make me think. And in the thinking part of this whole thing, just why do you fast? He goes, well, boys, here it is. You can't store wine in new wineskins, new wine into old wineskins. It'll just tear it up. It'll ruin it. In other words, if watch, in other words, if you're not careful, your religious traditions will ruin what I'm trying to do on planet earth. If you're not careful, your religious traditions will stop me from doing what I've come to do something new. Meaning in any denomination that you choose, God is always trying to capture the heart to do a new thing. He's always working for that. Now, he can do it through hymns, through organs. He can do it through communion. He can do it through candles, wherever that stream you're in. But the end goal is through all of our religious tradition, God is trying to capture a heart to bring it to newness of freedom. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do knowing whether I'm religious or not? And I'm a heart, a religion. Next verse, this is sums it up. It's mind-blowing But the answer is in this, as Jesus was saying this, so in that moment of time, the tradition of trying to figure out tradition versus Jesus's life of freedom, as Jesus was saying this, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her and in there lies how you know whether or not you're traditionalized or whether or not you flow from your heart because in this statement the leader of a synagogue where all the traditional things go on where they recite the scriptures, where they stand to read, where they bring their sacrifices, where they bring their offerings, the place where they teach the law. That leader of a synagogue didn't go to the Pharisee or the Sadducee or anybody else in his synagogue. He's showing us that if we're not careful, the dead religion will not be able to answer your deepest need. Would not the synagogue leader by nature go to a Pharisee and say, my girl is dead? Would he not go to one of the teachers of religious law and go, my girl is dead? Why did he break from the leader of a synagogue and go out and find Jesus the carpenter and say, my daughter has just died? But you, and here's the phrase of how you know, can bring her back to life. How do I know, as Mark Evans, if I've been traditionalized by religion or if I'm a true Christian of heart? It simply is answered by this Do other people come to me to find life? Am I a life bringer in my 50 feet? when I'm out and about in my way, doing my life, do I have the testimony that the life of God flows out of me? Do my coworkers know that the life of God flows out of me? Do my co-workers know that I could pray and Jesus could answer a prayer? Do my friends who were students, do my neighbors, do the people within which I commune all the time, do they know that I'm a living, breathing example of the life of God because I'm a daughter of Jesus, I'm a son of Jesus, and greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm a Methodist, but on the middle of the week I am a daughter of the Son of God. I am a Man of the Son of God. I'm a Baptist in my denomination, but the life of God is in me and the power of God works through me. I'm a Catholic by choice, but during the middle of the week, the life of God flows through me. The power of God flows through me. And the problem is, it's when I'm more of my tradition and there's no life flowing through me. I simply go to church, I give my offering, I serve my duty, I do my temple duties, and my conscience feels better. And when I walk back into my environment, no one is approaching me for life. No one is saying, could you pray for me? You seem to have such peace, Pam. Could you lay hands on me? You seem to walk in a different way. Everybody else is frustrated, but something's different in you. What is it? Oh, it's the life of God. Maybe that's what's missing today. I'll tell you what's not missing is another denomination. We don't need another one. We don't really need another church. What we need is a group of people who offer life. Hey, d- call us whatever you want to call us, but at the end of the day, we offer life. Yes. The life of God, I love it. I was, I was hanging out this weekend, and I, I frequent a Mexican restaurant here in town. And one of the waiters, uh, I pray for him. I always tell him I love him. And he sends me a text. Why, Mark? Why? And I'm like, dude, what's up? He said, I can't believe there was this man in the restaurant. He started cussing and belittling the waitress and calling her names and cussing. And he said, why? Why do people do this? I'm sure he could have texted anybody. But in the middle of a hell moment when somebody in their restaurant is screaming at the top of their lungs, using the F-bomb to cuss out the waitresses, he sends me a text, why, why? And I say, hey, bro, it's simple. It has nothing to do with waiters or waitresses or good food or bad food. It has to do with living a generation of dark, evil hearts. Are you the life of God? When people's lives are tanking, do they think to call you, text you? When they're thinking about leaving their wife, divorcing, do they come to you for life? Do they come to you for something new or do you just keep offering them the same old thing? Are you offering them to pray? Are you offering, because that's how you know you've been traditionalized is when nothing of life comes out of you, but you're loyal to church, you're loyal to pay your tithe, you're loyal to serve on a team, but nothing beyond that has the life of God. In other words, once I bust out the doors, it's over. I've done my religious duty for the week. I got God off my back. He won't bring me some disease now. I gave him a little bit of money to keep him off my back. You've been traditionalized. I want your heart to be captured. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. It's not to make you feel bad. I think everybody in the room would admit we've all been in some way traditionalized American church is built on that system. It's built on a system of tradition, but I just want to encourage you, whatever your tradition is, that you would find the life of God. You know, even here at believers still just kind of in your mind, I, I understand we have traditions. We do communion every week. We read the Bible every week. We start with worship. That's traditions. That's things that we do consistently. But every week I'm always praying God in the middle of my tradition, I want to be sensitive to you moving. That's why sometimes in the middle of worship, I'll just come up and say, we want to pray for people. That's why we often say we have all these people here that are willing to pray for you because we don't want it just to be tradition. We want you to encounter life. We want you to walk out of the door saying, I met the life of Jesus today. And in just a moment, you're gonna be asked to come to these communion tables. It's your opportunity to meet the life of Jesus. Our part is over, his part starts, where you engage with Jesus and say, Jesus, use me. But I will say this, if you walk out of the door today and you rarely have anyone asking for the life of God, then maybe you've been more traditionalized in your faith than really seeing the freshness of who Jesus is because he's infectious. His joy, his peace, his kindness, his grace, his love is infectious. I often pray this, you'll hear it consistently if you come to believers, I often pray this. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And if anyone comes across my path today that needs you, may I ever be so bold to lead them to you. The way you know whether you've been traditionalized or not is whether or not you just simply say, Lord, use me to be a life giver. Lord, use me to be a life giver. Now, whatever in your heart needs to be reconciled to Jesus, Maybe you've always just kind of been in a dead place with him. Maybe you were raised that it's just church. You just go to church. It's just religious anyway. It's just a bunch of religion. He didn't even care if you come, just give you money, whatever. I don't know how you were raised. I tried to touch a little bit on all, most of the streams anyway. But whatever your stream was or is, Would you be so bold during communion today to pray that prayer? If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Let me be the light of the world today. Let me be a life giver today, a life hope bringer to other people. Would you stand with me if you will? As you're standing, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. At the end of the prayer, our communion tables are open. We, we kind of end a little differently maybe than you would be accustomed to. Once the communion tables are open, uh, those of us, this is our family, we bring our offerings to the Lord. We bring our tithes to the Lord. It's our way of being thankful to him as our resource. But for everybody that's in the room, we we have communion available for you. And it's a moment where you engage with Jesus and you let him, maybe I said something that touched your heart. You you let that moment be real for you. And then once you do that, we kind of make an atmosphere for you if you want to go back to your seat, if you want to come up for prayer, if you want to have a moment of worship, we just make an atmosphere for you to do that. But we are done. So if you need to slip out, you can. I would just ask, be respectful because there are people that like to stay around and pray and maybe go back to their seat and just kind of think about what the Lord is saying to them. And we want to be respectful in our talking, but we want to give you a chance to encounter him. At the end of my prayer, you may come, do your giving, take communion, and just let the Lord bless you as you leave today. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, today I choose to believe in you. I believe Jesus Christ died for me and is alive for me. Come Lord Jesus into my heart. Make me a life giver, a giver of hope, and Lord, if you can use anything. You can use me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence, your help and your power. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's
0: Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for
1: listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message.